Tsitsi Dungaremba, can you introduce us to the main character in this mournable body, Tambudsai? Because when we meet her, she's outstayed her time at a youth hostel and she's out of work. Yes, the main character in this mournable body is called Tambudzai Sigauke. She's a Zimbabwean woman, contemporary, and her story actually started before this mournable body because this mournable body is the last book in a trilogy. And the first book was Nervous Conditions. And that's where we meet Tambudzai Sigalke for the first time as a rural village girl in pre-independent Zimbabwe, which was Rhodesia. Her family is desperately poor and she wants an education because she believes that education is the key to a better life. And so in Nervous Conditions and in the Book of Not, Tambudzai is pursuing her education. By the end of the Book of Not, which is the second book in the trilogy, she has completed her university education and is on the job market. And uh, she's beginning to understand that education alone may not be the key to the progress she wants. And in this mournable body, we find her in a youth hostel where she is now said to be too old to be eligible and she is being asked to leave. She had recently given up her job at an advertising agency because the men were stealing her copy and putting their names to it. And so she's quite desperate uh, when we meet her at the beginning of this mournable body. And that desperation just continues as we read and sort of turns into despair, really. Now, what, what sort of time frame is this? Is this the 1990s? How old is she by this stage in this mournable body? Tambudzai is around 40, mm. um, just turning 40 in this mournable body. So her late 30s, and it is the end of the 1990s, really the visible signs of Zimbabwe's implosion began to be felt by ordinary people at that time. And then it led into the land issue of 2000, which was a huge turning point in Zimbabwe's trajectory as a nation. And that land issue is also one of the plot points in the novel. So it is at the turn of the millennium. I mean, it's so interesting to use this one individual and sort of parallel her life with modern Zimbabwean history. Why did you want to chart her life in this way? Sarah, I don't think it really was a conscious decision. But what I have seen is that because the changes in Zimbabwe have been so great in the last half a century, our lives have been affected by them in a way that we all feel. So there is not a single person who can say that they have lived their lives without being impacted by the historical events in the country. And I think it's very important for Zimbabweans and also other people in the world to realize that what we experience as individuals leading our lives is determined by bigger events. And okay, in more stable countries, these events are are not so momentous and don't have such a negative impact on individuals' lived experience. But for us in a country like Zimbabwe, 
these events really are extremely disruptive to our lives. Can you explain this idea of mournable body, this term, which I believe you came across via the US writer Teju Cole, but he uses the term unmournable body, doesn't he? Yes, yes. I, I came across Teju Cole's essay in 2015 and uh, he was talking about unmournable bodies. And this was after a massacre of students, hundreds of students in Kenya at a place called Garissa in April 2015. A couple of months earlier, in January, we the world had witnessed the Charlie Hebdo massacre in Paris, France. And Teju Cole compared the kinds of grief and mourning that were poured out uh, between these two massacres. And he noted that like the whole world really mourned the Charlie Hebdo massacres and people uh, took on the um, the tagline, I am Charlie Hebdo. But there wasn't such a, a massive outpouring of grief for the students who were killed in Garissa. In fact, it, the world hardly heard about it. It was scarcely a blip on in the international news. And so he wondered why some bodies are more mournable, as he called it, than others, meaning that the, the bodies in, in Paris were more mournable than the bodies in Garissa. And, and this is the idea of grievability. And my point in writing this mournable body is that all our bodies are mournable, no matter whether they are heroic whether they are anti-heroic like Tambudzai is, no matter where they happen to be, no matter what their suffering is. And uh, I just wanted to put the point that unless we understand that the different kinds of grief that different people in the world experience are part of our common experience because we are in this world together, we will not be able to meet a lot of the challenges that we see. And, and basically, this was not a message only to people outside Africa or outside Zimbabwe, but it was also something I wanted to put across to people inside Africa and inside Zimbabwe, because we often tend not to mourn ourselves either. So I also wanted to tell us as Africans that it is important for us to mourn ourselves and the things that are making our lives mournable. Well, that is um, something that we all need to think about. Um, Titsi, you were arrested in Zimbabwe just after the announcement of the Booker Long List, in which you were included, obviously. Can you just outline briefly why that happened? Yes, Sarah. Um, an opposition politician called for a demonstration against government corruption in July, and the demonstration was set for the 31st of July. When I look at the situation that we have in Zimbabwe, the economic decline, the social decay, and the political repression and authoritarianism that is escalating, I felt that that was a good call. Now, um, a couple of days before the demonstration, we were told that it was illegal, that it was an insurrection, 
and that anyone who went out would only have themselves to blame. But I felt that I had been such a champion of the citizens' need to engage and um, show their agency in the situation that we find ourselves in, that I felt that I, I needed to go out and demonstrate. One of the things that we had debated on social media was how to demonstrate within the law. Uh, and so um, I felt with all these precautions, a reasonable government, which is governing in the interests of the people, would be able to see that actually um, a person standing peacefully by the side of the road with positive messages about improvement is not an insurrection, is not inciting violence, is not doing anything illegal. But I was wrong. And you were arrested. Um, what does being a booker contender do? Does it change your situation? I was arrested, yes, and I had um, my first court appearance on the 1st of September, the day after the arrest. So I spent one night in prison. And then Wednesday, the 7th of September, I did have another hearing, which was my fourth court appearance. And so the magistrate was able to hear the pre-trial matters. Sarah, I don't know whether it changes my situation. Um, I do believe that it, it does have an impact. I had amazing publicity when I was arrested simply because I was already in the news on the platform of the Booker, which is such a big platform. Um, most of the um, news institutions in the world do engage with the Booker Prize. So um, that was a, a very fortunate pairing of events there. It was a very good synergy. How they react to it is another question. Zitsi, you've published three novels. What does it take to be a writer in Zimbabwe? Well, uh, for me, it takes a lot to be a writer in Zimbabwe. To have a life that's possible, one really needs to be tapped into some system of power, whether it's the international community or the local systems of money and political power in Zimbabwe. And for me, the kind of writing I do really does has not up until now tapped me into any of those systems. Hmm. And so it, 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 it was demanding and it was challenging. But I always say um, that writing chose me and uh, I find it's my vocation to tell these stories and so I try to do it to the best of my ability. I think the reason that I have found it so difficult is that I was one of the earlier female writers uh, writing about the issues I wrote about in Zimbabwe and on the continent. And, you know, people who are at the forefront always have to open up the space. And so now, 30 years later, I see my writing being celebrated in a way that it was not celebrated at the time that I wrote it. So I believe that the world has moved to make space for the kinds of stories and visions and characters that I, as a writer, put out. Well, I hope this all makes it a bit easier for you to keep on writing. 
Titsi, something that we've been talking about on the book show over this year is how coronavirus has caused such a disruption in all of our lives. Um, I'm assuming it has also in Zimbabwe, although it sounds like there are many other disruptions to deal with. But um, I wonder about how you think this disruption will shape fiction in the future. I think that coronavirus will have an impact on fiction because I think it has made all of us stop and think about the trajectory of the world we live in now. Some of the things that we took absolutely for granted uh, are not so are not taken for granted so much anymore. For example, nobody um, in the middle classes thought anything about buying a plane ticket to go halfway around the world. And now it's something one stops to think about. And uh, so I think it's going to affect the way we perceive how we have developed as a global community. Uh, and it, we're going to start questioning what is more important again. Now, I think that's going to have a big impact on literature in that people are going to be looking for solutions and be much more questioning of what we take for granted, the status quo. Whether it will have a similar impact on other systems like business and industry and even politics, I don't know. Uh, and so I think that it is a moment where we can have shifts in literature and also shifts in other systems, and I hope that we will take advantage of it. I think we will probably see uh, more dystopic uh, literature coming out as a result of it. Yep. Grab onto your seats, everyone. <laughs> well, uh, Tsitsi Dangaremba, it's been so wonderful to talk to you and all the best with the booker. Thank you so much, Sarah.